Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into a new edition of the Breakaway Bandits podcast, part of the Sports Insanity Network. I am Mike Grifkin, legitimately on a breakaway tonight. I'm flying solo. Nate is still licking his wounds after Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat the Bills in the playoffs again. Now he realizes he's got to put all of his faith into the Sabres. And Noah's busy with some other stuff. So you got me. And tonight, uh, tonight's the beginning of the All-Star break. They just had the player draft, which, by the way, love the fact that the player draft is back for the All-Star game as opposed to just the divisions. I think it's fun. Uh, skills competition will be played Friday. That's always a good time before the games are played Saturday. So tonight's show, I'm going to cover a lot of stuff just based on things that have happened since the last time we've recorded. Um, I will also do first half awards. Um, <clears throat> your Hart Trophy winner, Jack Adams and Norris and Vezina. Uh, talk about a massive trade that went down. That's where we'll, we'll start in a minute. Um, I do want to start this by saying the ongoing investigation with Hockey Canada and the NHL players who have given themselves up. It is it's still an ongoing investigation. Um, so <clears throat> we will comment further on that once we get all the details. So don't think I am avoiding that at any point. It is just that'll be discussed um, at a later date when we find out more <clears throat> of what's going on. And I think that's a better discussion as a group than just me flying solo. So without further ado, we'll, we'll jump into this. Like I said, we had a big trade go down in the, <clears throat> in the NHL last night. Ironically, the two teams are making their have made their second deal of the season. The first one sent, had Calgary send Nikita Zadorov to Vancouver. Uh, this one, it gets a it's big, the biggest trade ship, or one of the biggest trade ships in the league. Elias Lindholm goes goes from Calgary to Vancouver in exchange for Andre Kizmenko, Hunter Brustevowitz. Joni Yermo, a 2024 first-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. The condition on the fourth-round pick is if Vancouver makes it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, as for Bruce Drevowitz and Yermo, I hope I'm saying those right. Um, those are both uh, defensemen playing junior hockey right now. <clears throat> And Berstruvowitz, from what I've read, is having a really good year. Don't know much on, on – I don't know much on Yermo, but I saw Berstruvowitz was trending on Twitter, reading he, he's having a really good offensive year for the Kitchener Rangers. Um, but, but let's start this with Vancouver, and then we'll jump into the Calgary side. Elias Lindholm, like I said at the top, he was probably the biggest trade chip out there at the moment. And him being moved signifies two things. And I'll get into the Calgary part in a couple of seconds. Vancouver's going for this. They're having a really good year. They're in first place in the Pacific. 
They're having an outstanding year from Thatcher Demko. Excuse me. Rick Tockett has had an excellent year. He's going to be in the Jack Adams conversation. A lot of people have him as the front runner right now for the Jack Adams. Besser's having a great year. JT Miller's having a great year. Quinn Hughes is having an outstanding year on the blue line. Heronic as well, who they acquired from Detroit. This team is really good, and they're really talented, and they have a really good core. Elias Lindholm solidifies your top six playing that second-line center position, and he also helps you on the power play, uh, probably – Probably will get second unit minutes on this team with Miller, Besser, Pedersen, and company. So he'll probably play the second unit with a guy like Niels Hoaglander, Connor Garland. He'll help you on the PK. And, look, he's a great player. He's a free agent. I I think if Vancouver has the ability to re-sign him, they'll do it. I'm very intrigued by Vancouver this summer because they're going to have to make a decision on Elias Pedersen. Now, Lindholm, uh, the good news for them is Tyler Myers will come off the books. But that's all another conversation. So it's a great deal for Vancouver. They are clearly going for it. As for Calgary, a team right now who playing pretty well, they're right in the thick of things in the wild card race. This signifies that you're not waving the white flag, but you're willing to move off of some of these guys who are expiring contracts. Chris Tanev's another one. I expect him to get moved at the deadline. Noah Hannafin has expressed his desires to be moved. Um, but Calgary's in a tough spot because Jacob Markstrom still under contract for another couple of years. He would be a guy, I think if you can get something – Decent for Markstrom. The problem is he makes $6 million a year for the next couple of years. Is there a team willing to pay him that at the moment? Um, or even if you retain half and you're looking at three, $3 million. But John Gibson's out there too. So, And Markstrom's older than Gibson. He's 34, Gibson's 30. So, I, But I think the term is less on, on Markstrom. So I'll, I think that's more of an off-season move than it is a, a trade deadline move. They have Dustin Wolf of the American League, who has been really good for them in Calgary. Uh, but I expect Tanifin to be moved. I expect Tanev to be moved. I, I wonder about this one, though, because if you're Calgary, you kind of have to go for it still because Jonathan Huberto's under that under contract for a long time there. And Nazem Kadri's under contract for a long time, too. And those guys, you're not going to be able to move. The money's too much. Unless you could find a way to get maybe a, a cap hit for a cap hit deal. But I, I from what I've read, Calgary still thinks they could do it. I know they've been linked to a couple of other players. Uh, I think I read Colton Pareko is a guy they've had interest in for a while. But this is a weird deal for me because the worst place to be in any sport is in the middle. And Calgary had a great year two years ago before the Oilers knocked them out in the second round of the playoffs. And the problem when you look at the Western Conference as a whole, I'm not, I'm not even going to get into the East yet, 
but the Western Conference as a whole, if you're Calgary looking at your roster now, you're not better than Vancouver. You're not better than Edmonton. You're not better than the Vegas Golden Knights. You're not better than the Seattle Kraken. And this is your own division. Oh, by the way, I haven't even mentioned the LA Kings who have been playing god-awful lately, but they're still better than you. Then I get into the Central. They're not better than Colorado. They're not better than Dallas. I don't think they're better than Nashville, and they sure as heck aren't better than Winnipeg. So I don't know where Calgary goes from here because the worst place to be in sports is in the middle. And unfortunately for the Calgary Flames, I think they are in the middle. And if you're going to retool on the fly, it's a tough, tough act to, to do. It really is. Because you got to balance the players who are there and under contract. You got to balance what you try to do trade wise and through free agency. And. You have these young players coming up who are kind of either A, blocked off, or B, aren't going to have the necessary time to grow into the position because I've got other players who are in a tough spot. So I, I don't envy Craig Conroy. I don't envy Ryan Huska. It's going to be tough for Calgary. I'm very intrigued by what they do. Not just through through the deadline uh, next month, but what they do going forward. Free agency, the draft, what other trades they can explore. I, I'm very intrigued by that. So Calgary's in, 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 an, in an interesting spot. And look, Vancouver, I, I think if you're Vancouver, you're looking at a couple of things. I think you can use another guy on defense. I think that would be very beneficial for them. And I think they're a team right now. Vancouver, they're looking at this and saying, you know what? I think this team's looking at this differently than a lot of other people. Than a lot of other teams. They have as good as I think right now there's four teams in the West that can win the cup. Maybe five, if you want to include the Edmonton Oilers, who've won 15 in a row, which by the way has been outstanding. And, and by the way, Chris Knobloch's done a really good job there. But this comes from Stuart Skinner and Calvin Pickard. They're making saves. McDavid's doing his thing. Drysdale's doing his things. The secondary scoring's picked up too. Um, that wasn't all on Jay Woodcroft, but but you got the Oilers who, who we want to deem a cup contender just because they got McDavid. Colorado's a cup contender for sure. Dallas is a cup contender. Vegas, Dallas. That's all along with Vancouver. I still think the LA Kings are a cup contender, despite how poorly they've played. So those are probably the six teams I could see playing in the Stanley Cup final for the Western Conference. And, you know, so so that, that's got 
right now that's the interesting part. So Lindholm, he's the first big chip to go here uh, as we approach the trade deadline about a little bit more than a month away. I actually think it's a – I think one week from today, which is February 8th, I believe the deadline is March 8th. I could be wrong. So it would be, it'd be a, a month from next Thursday. If that makes sense, let me know. But I believe that's where we're going. But, you know, we've had some other things go down, too. Uh, we had another coaching change go down. The New York Islanders fired uh, Lane Lambert and replaced him with Patrick Waugh. And the Islanders, since Waugh took over, I believe they're 1-2-1. One, and one. I'm just trying to confirm that. And right now I can't confirm that, but I, I believe they're one, two, and one. And the New York Islanders, our team, they are right there too, right on the preface of, of, of the wild card. And look, they've been benefited by the fact that they've got I think more overtime games than any other team. They've been benefited by that one point off in this year. Um, my big thing on the Islanders has been this. And I think when they lost the back-to-back conference finals to Tampa Bay, and everyone was like, they're on the preface. They're really good. They're really talented. And I was like, they're very good. But they're missing one thing. They're missing a guy who can just put the puck in the net at any given moment. And they never went out and got that guy. Last year at the deadline, they get Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat's been a phenomenal player for them ever since they acquired him. But I don't know if that was the biggest need for them at the time. He's been very good. But they still rule. I still think they're missing that guy because I, I look at them and, and I go, they've had a ton of injuries too this year. They've had a ton of injuries, but they don't have that guy. Barzell's arguably one of the fastest players in the league. He's he could be that guy. But Anders Lee, who used to be the best net front guy in the league, his play is dipped. Brock Nelson's been really good the last two years. But then a- after Nelson, Horvat, and Barzell, like, who are we leaning on? Simon Holmstrom, who's been really good. Oliver Wallstrom hasn't been great. I think he needs a change of scenery, personally. They don't have that game-breaker guy. And the guy I always pointed to for them was Philip Forsberg. And obviously that can't happen. Nashville signed Forsberg to a long-term deal. And and the reason why I'm bringing up the roster for a second and then I'll get into the coaching changes. We were, when Barry Trotz walked away or couldn't come to terms on a deal or whatever it was with, with Lou, the Islanders decided to say, you know what? We're going to keep the Barry influence on the team. 
and we're going to just promote Lane Lambert. And to me, that's always a mistake to, to just promote the assistant from the prior coach. And the reason why I call it a mistake is, yeah, it can be the same game plan. It could be the same uh, discipline thing, yeah, game plan, how, how you, he wants you to play. But it's different. Because if the players were, whether it was tuning out Barry or they were just like, all right, this just isn't working, you want a fresh voice. And Lane Lambert was a voice they knew. And Lou, instead of going out there and solving that issue of not getting the game breaker because he felt he put the, the roster together, and then the on top of it, keep, keep it going Lane Lambert – that's the frustration part, I would say. But now when you fire Lane Lambert and you bring in Patrick Waugh, all of a sudden you've been having these conversations of wanting to get rid of Lane Lambert for a while. You know what I'm saying? You, you've you wanted this because usually it's fire the coach and we promote the American League coach or um, we promote one of the assistant coaches. But instead they go, no, Patrick Waugh, you're coming in. Okay, game on. I like it. I like the hire. He brings, he's fiery. He's tenacious. He's one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game. By the way, Marc Andre Fleury earlier this year passed him to be the second winningest goalie of all time, just behind Marty Brooker. Shout out to Marc Andre Fleury. I'm intrigued by what Lou does here at the deadline because I still think the Islanders need a guy who could help them put the puck in the net. I also am not afraid to say they can use another defenseman. But I wonder this, and this is, if you're an Islander fan listening, this question goes directly to you. If the Islanders miss the playoffs this year or they lose in the first round, Can we see a Lou change? Can we see a change of GM? Because you change the coach, and I don't think you can hire a Patrick Wall without the consent of the owner. So if that's the case here, and we're going to consent to the owner, and he wanted Patrick Wall, I'm I'm intrigued by what they do. Because I think there's going to be guys out there that they can use. Uh, guys who could put the puck in there, Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, maybe Frank Vitrano and Anaheim could be a guy you look at. Uh, Tarasenko and Ottawa talked about the Sens. That they are the next subject of the statement address. But I'm intrigued by what happens there with Lou. So that, that right now is where I'm at. Uh, the firing of Lane Lambert was well deserved. I don't want to say well-deserved, but he earned it. Uh, they, they, they needed that change. And they need Sorokin to be better in the second half. They 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 need him to be better. And let, let me be honest with you, the Rangers need Igor Shesterkin to be better. That, you know, so there's a Ranger talk for them. Right? <laughs> All right. So, so those are the two massive newsbreaker moves. Um I will talk about one other that occurred later in 
towards the end with news and notes. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll do it now. Uh, the William Nylander extension came in, and Nylander got a big raise. And when I'm saying big raise, he got an eight-year, $92 million deal, 11.5 AAV. That starts up next year. Now for the Leafs, I think this is a massive year. And I say that every year about the Toronto Maple Leafs, as long as they got that core of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Morgan, Riley, and by extension, other guys. Leafs haven't played that great. Um, they've been up and down. Got a big one over Winnipeg right before the break. But if they don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, I want two changes. If, I, if I'm a Leafs fan, there are two changes I want. And it's not Brad Tree Living and Sheldon Keefe. I'm going to put those guys to the side for a second. The two changes I would want if I'm a Leafs fan, if I don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, first change, Brendan Shanahan's out. Brendan Shanahan's been there way too long. He's seen a lot of coaches come in. He's seen a lot of GMs come in. Brendan Shanahan's got to go. That would be move number one. Move number two would be I'd have to move Mitch Marner. And I don't like saying that, but I've been on record multiple times on this podcast when we first started, I'd move Nylander. Well, William Nylander has earned his check. Is eight for 92 and a half. The problem for me with with having all of these guys, Tavares isn't movable. He's not scoring this year. He's not having the year. And he's getting older. You know, that's the other problem. I don't think teams are going to want an aging player who, let's be frank, I don't know how much longer John Tavares is going to want to play. He may retire after next year. When his contract's up. He may retire after this year if the Leafs were to win the cup. I don't know. But if I would move Marner. And they have young players. Uh, Robertson's got to play a little bit more, in my opinion. Mitten, Fitton. You know, they got another kid who's pretty. Frazier Mitten, I think. Something like that. Minton. He's played well down in the minor leagues. They've got guys. And the, the thing for me is they're so top heavy that I just, I don't know if you don't win or if you don't win or get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not even saying the end goal has to be the cup for the Leafs. It should be that way. But I'm telling you the end goal has to be the Eastern Conference Finals. Otherwise, I want Shanahan out, and I would trade Mitch Marner. Now, to the other two guys, Tree Living's not going anywhere. You just hired him. He's not going anywhere. Sheldon Keefe is very interesting to watch because of a new – I don't even know Brendan Shanahan's role. Uh, if they want to get rid of Keefe, go for it. I think the guy I know who I'd, bring, uh, I'd look to bring in is Bruce Boudreau. Whether that works or not, I don't know. But th there's your leaf subject. Now we're on to, to, to the big part of this. 
the awards first half of the season. We're at the break. We start with the Hart Trophy, and this one to me was easy. Slam dunk, run away. Give me Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. He's taking this game to a whole nother level this year. He's second in the league in points, one behind Kucherov. He's got the abs in first place in that tough central division. He's been held without a point in just seven games, and he has four games with four or more points. He's on him and Miko Rantanen have been phenomenal together. To me, this is slam dunk. It's Nathan McKinnon. He he would be right now. He's my heart trophy winner. I think there's other candidates. Uh, Artem Panarin's had a really good year. Sidney Crosby at 36 is having a really nice year. Sam Reinhart in Florida's crushing it offensively. You know, if you wanted to give it to McDavid, I'd, I'd understand. But McKinnon's just. Without Gabriel Landeskog, and, and at times, uh, I think Lekkinen just came back. Nachushkin's been in and out of the lineup. He's been the constant for the Colorado Avalanche. So I would go Nathan McKinnon as your Hart Trophy winner for the first half of the season. Um, and I don't think he'll slow down either, but that's a whole other conversation. Jack Adams, this is where I'm going to get controversial. I know a lot of people love Rick Tocchin. He's done a phenomenal job. First place team, the Vancouver Canucks. They're playing great. But they're talented. I'm going to go to a guy who I gave flowers to on this podcast a, a couple of weeks ago. I'm going towards. And Philly, listen, they struggled into the break. They... They've lost five in a row. But if you were to ask anybody where the Flyers would be at the All-Star break, no one's saying they'd be third in the Metropolitan Division. Not a soul. John Tortorella wouldn't tell you that. Keith Jones wouldn't tell you that. Daniel Briere wouldn't tell you that. Bobby Clark wouldn't tell you that. How Ron Hextall wouldn't tell you that. I mean, I don't know how much further back you want me to go with the Flyers. Torts has done an outstanding job for a team that's rebuilding. And they've said they're rebuilding. And they've had to deal with pressure circumstances, um, unforeseen circumstances now with the Hockey Canada stuff. But Travis Konechny's having a career year. Jean Couturier's healthy. We'll have to see what happens with the goaltending situation in the second half because Carter Hart, is right now a little bit of legal mess. The Hockey Canada stuff, so uh, he's not available, so we'll have to see where they go there. Uh, they had to deal with the Cutter Gauthier stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago where they sent him to Anaheim for Gene Drysdale. Now Cutter Gauthier is just somebody, somebody that they used to know. And if you don't get that reference, that's on you. But Torts has done an outstanding job. And he has changed his demeanor. And 
I think he's for me. He he's it. He's right now the first half Jack Adams award winner. Rick Tockett's done a great job. Rick Bonus in Winnipeg's done a phenomenal job. Um, Chris Knobloch. And you know what? The other guy I want to give a shout out to is John Cooper. Because Tampa Bay could have easily folded early on this year when they didn't have Vasilevsky. And right now the Tampa Bay Lightning sit in that third spot in the in the Atlantic Division. John Cooper's done a really good job this year. They've had injury after injury after injury on the blue line. Give John Cooper his flowers too this year. But for right now, I think it's John Tortorella. He would win the Jack Adams. Norris, the, the Norris is so hard because you got five or six really good candidates. Victor Hedman can always be a candidate. Cal McCarr can always be a candidate. Uh, Evan Bouchard's had a pretty nice year in Edmonton offensively. And that's what the awards become. It's become the offensive defenseman of the year award. But I got to go Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is 12 goals, 62 points. But the number I love the most is a plus 24. And I hope I wrote that right, that it's a plus 24 and not a plus 34, but I'll, I'll double-check it in a second. But he's been outstanding for a Vancouver team that, like we said, they're rolling in the Pacific. They're in first place. They have done so well so far this year, and he, he's he been a big part. He's the captain. He's done his thing offensively, you know, and he stayed healthy, and that's been the big issue for him over his career is he's had issues staying healthy. And right now he, he's been healthy. He's had a really good year. He's plus 34. All right, so not being able to read your own handwriting is definitely a chalk up for me. I'm, I'm doing great on that stuff. Uh, but Quinn Hughes, Hedman's had a great year. McCarr's had a really good year. But for me right now, it's Quinn Hughes. And things could change if Quinn Hughes gets hurt again or if one of these other guys just takes over. But for me, Quinn Hughes is the Norris Trophy winner. And the Vezina Trophy winner, and, and look – I think right now this is a two-horse race. I know a lot of people love Linus Olmark and Swayman. Uh, they've had great years. But to me, this is Connor Hellebuck versus Thatcher Demko. And I give the slight edge to Connor Hellebuck. And Connor Hellebuck is 23-9-3 with a 2.20 goals against, which is second. He's tied for second in save percentage. He's got two shutouts, which is seventh. Demko is 26-8-1. He's sixth in goals against. He's sixth in save percentage with a two. Again, goal uh handwriting reading issues. Two four four goals against 920 save percentage. Five shutouts, which is tied for first. And I, I think don't think you can go wrong with even one of these guys. By the way, they're both American. But I, I lean Connor Hellebuck. I, I just do. He is the backbone of Winnipeg. Who, by the way, the Winnipeg Jets have totally changed who they are, too. They used to be the team, we have to outscore you. Now it's, uh-uh, we can beat you 2-1, to 3-2. to two. 
We have offensively gifted players, but we also know we have one of the best goaltenders in the world. So I, I, I would go Hellebuck. If you want to go Demko, I don't have an issue with that. To me, 1A, 1B, I'll take either one on my team any day. But th- those would be my top forwards. I'm not giving you the Selkie because that's too much of a you know opinionated award. I'll give you the Calder if you want. Um, Connor Bedard would win it if he didn't get hurt. But Brock Faber, Brock Faber's had a great year for the Wild Blue Line. He's rejuvenated the Wild Power Play, which has been uh, not great over the years. But uh, Brock Faber definitely for me. And Bedard didn't get hurt, it'd be Bedard because he's had an outstanding year too. So, Faber for the Calder, Hellebuck for the Vezina, Quinn Hughes for the Norris, John Tortorella for the Jack Adams, which would be his third, Nathan McCann for the Hart. So, those are your award winners so far. Um, one little thing, and then I'll get into the next statement address. Elias Lindholm was the top target trade deadline. We got there. I'm intrigued by a couple of things, but there's one team in particular I'm going to go in on, and there's one player in particular. The Pittsburgh Penguins currently sit outside of the – playoff picture. And the Penguins had made the playoffs every year. Felt like every year for like the last 16 years or something up until last year. And when I look at them right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you look at the standings, they are currently they're still alive. They're, they're you know, they're 51 points they are seven points in back of Pittsburgh, uh, uh, in back of Detroit, and they're five points in back of Philadelphia for third in the Metro. But keep in mind, other teams who are right there, the Islanders have mo- one more point than them. The Devils are tied with them in points. So is Washington. And that's just their division. If I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins, you made a big, big mistake last offseason. When you brought back or two off seasons ago, when you brought back Mal, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Tank, all three, uh, both are legends. Both will have their number retired by the Penguins when their careers are over. The issue was you made an older a, a team that's already old older by bringing these guys back, and at the same time, when you bring in Eric Carlson, who who's a little bit younger, but he's had ankle issues for a, for a while. So, this is a team that's at a crossroads. And I don't envy Kyle Dubas. I think he's in the toughest spot in all of hockey, to be honest with you. That being said, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins have to with this trade deadline. Sell. I get it. Sidney Crosby doesn't want to sell. He wants to go for it every year. But you know who sold last year at the trade deadline? The Washington Capitals. And I think the Penguins need to learn that from the Caps. Jake Gensel's a great hockey player. 
But if you can't fit him in under the cap and you have other issues you need to fill, because you got to think about life after Sidney Crosby getting Malk at Chris Letang, they're not going to play forever. As much as we enjoy watching them play, they're not going to play forever. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't even know who their top prospect is. They're always picking in the, the teens to 20s. And they trade those picks away to get somebody at the deadline, and it you know hasn't worked. I think the Penguins have to sell this deadline. The fan base may not like it, but it's the smart decision. Kyle Dubas has to trade Jake Gensel at the trade deadline. There's a Rifkin PSA of the night. Um, and I'll close that with the statement address. If Nate List and Noah, listen to this. <clears throat> I can do it again in front of them, so in case they want to have a conversation. Um, but if you don't like this episode, just tell Nate it's his fault that this happened. Um, tonight's statement addresses on the Ottawa Senators. They, they've played all, all right recently. They're 6-2-2 two two in their last 10, but they're 20-25-2 20, and two on the season. And when you're tied in points with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who've had a dreadful year, yeah, that that's not a good thing. Um, so, listen, Ottawa's got some great young players. Tim Stutzla's a really good player. He's got 47 points. Brady Chuck's got 22 goals. Josh Norris has 12 goals. They just got Shane Pinto back. Uh, Claude Giroux's got 42 points. He's brought in some veteran leadership to them. Their mistake was this summer um, when they brought in Jonas Corposalo and they signed him to, to a five-year, $20 million deal or four-year, $20 million. I think it's five times four. And Corposalo's 12, 16, and two with a 338 goals against and an 889 save percentage. Anton Forsberg, seven and eight, 335 goals against and an 889 save percentage. Both goaltenders that have played for them, over three goals against, under nine, save percentage. They're not getting the goaltending. And Jonas Corpusal played well for the LA Kings because the LA Kings have a great defense. They play defense. Ottawa doesn't. And, you know, they fired DJ Smith. They brought in Jacques Martin, who's got them playing harder. I don't know if Jacques Martin's their long-term answer. Coach, I'll get into who I would bring in if I were them. Uh, I mean, but with the deadline coming up, like I think most of their issues have to be solved over the summer. They're, they're not going to be solved here at the deadline. The one guy they can move on from at the deadline is Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, you're you're going to have teams involved. I think the Hurricanes – uh, the Rangers, the Stars, the Avs, the Islanders, the Kings. I think all those teams make sense for Tarasenko. I think that's your big move at the deadline. I don't see – I've heard the Jacob Chikrin rumors. I'm going to get into that in a second because Jacob Chikrin has two years left uh, on his contract. Two years left, one I think after this year. I don't think a team's trained for Unless they can extend him. Now, the other part for Chikrin is he has no movement, no trade. So I may look at Thomas Shabbat, who I love. I love Thomas Shabbat. 
I may be better off moving Thomas Shabbat, who doesn't have that no trade clause attached to his name over the summer. And then if I trade Shabbat, I could extend Shikrin. Shabbat is under contract for for quite a bit at eight million a year. So if I can move Shabbat, I'm just going to use this team as my example. If I can find a way for Thomas Shabbat to go to I was going to use the Coyotes, but I don't like using the Coyotes as my example because I don't think the Coyotes are going to want to give up the assets there, although it would make some sense. Arguments say, you know, I'll use use Chicago. I'll use Chicago because they've got some assets too. Shabbat to Chicago, he becomes their number one defenseman immediately. I can get back some either nice picks or prospects, depending on how that goes. But the big thing for for Ottawa is going to be, if I move Shabbat, can I sign Chikrin? Because if I can't sign Jacob Chikrin, I'll I'll move him instead. Because they're loaded on the left side because they just signed Jake Sanders to do a big deal as well. So your three left-handed defensemen are all going to make a ton of money. Yeah, another left on the right side. So you're going to have to figure that out. Um, so, so Shabbat versus Chikrins, that's a decision that's going to have to be made by Steve Steos. <coughs> the, the next thought is who I think should be the next head coach. I don't know what Jacques Martin is thinking long term. But I think the guy I would I would want two guys if, if I'm I'm Ottawa I'm I'm torn on two. Both have won a cup, so they bring experience. Will Claude Julian come in and fix this team? Because I think that'd be a good fit. Or would Craig Berube come in and fix this team? Those would be the two guys to me if I'm the Ottawa Senators that I want. I want Craig Berube. Or I want Claude Julien. And if you want a third guy, maybe Bruce Boudreaux. And to be honest with you, if he wasn't the GM in Nashville, I would say go get Barry Trotz. That's just not going to happen. Um, just brought up the defense. You, you're, I think you have to gauge Claude Giroux here. Claude Giroux signed a three-year deal. This is the second year. I think you have to go to Claude and say, listen, what do you want to do? We're not going to probably make the playoffs this year. We're going to try to make it next year. Do you want to stay here for another year and try this? Should we try maybe to give you another year on an extension? What do you want to do? Or do you want to be moved to a cup contender that, uh, here at the deadline? But you'd have to spend another year there. That's a very interesting dynamic, too, for Claude Drew, a guy who, who's been in Ottawa. But I, I think you're going to have to figure that out. So I, I mentioned before the goaltending numbers, Saro, uh, Corpusalo, not good. Forsberg, not good. They need a number one goaltender. And they're going to have to make the money work, which means probably Corpusalo would have to go somewhere. There's one goaltender to go get. 
And it's not Jacob Markstrom. And it's not John Gibson. If I'm the Ottawa Senators, I, I have to find a way to get UC Soros. He's 28 years old. He's got one year and $5 million left. $5 million left on his contract, so you'd have to sign him. But if I can make a deal of it being like Corpusalo, maybe I can have to give up Shane Pinto on that deal to give Nashville something for it. For you just not taking on Corpusalo, but also, you know, giving away your goaltender. Maybe that works out, but that would be the guy. If I'm Ottawa, I'm all in on UC Soros. Uh, then we're going to get into some signings. If they can't get Shane Pinto long-term, then they can deal him in the Soros deal. Uh, but my goal would be to sign him long-term. Um, I think a couple of other signings, I, again, we talk about the left side of the defense. You got to look at the right side. If they do move Shabbat or Chikrin, if you move Shabbat, Chikrin's playing the left. Maybe you bring in Matt Dumba to play the right or Brett Pesci. I think those guys can help fill out a top four that could be pretty good. And, and then I want a little bit of oomph on their bottom six. So maybe a guy like Jason Zucker or even a Victor Arvidsson who could give them a little bit more offensive punch in the top nine. That'd be pretty nice if I'm Ottawa. But again, this is going to come down to who's the coach and how does Steve Steos foresee this team? But I think their move at the deadline is Tarasenko. And if they don't foresee a future with Jacob Chikrin, they can move on. But um, there's your statement address on the Ottawa Senators. Uh, when we post this episode, any comments, let us know. If you don't like this episode, uh, tweet at Nate Moser Sports. It is his fault that this episode is not good. But you can follow us on Twitter at SIM Breakaway. You can follow the network at S Insanity Real. Uh, both the network and I think the podcast too. Both are on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Podmaster Rifkin. And check out the website www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com. Eight blogs, vlogs, playing streams, and automobiles. Go to, uh, go to the website. <laughs> I just said go to the Check out this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. Um, and until next time, I'm Mike Griffin. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast where I was in on a breakaway. Let me know if I got stopped or if I scored. I'll talk to you all next time. Have a good one. And enjoy the All-Star break. <laughs>